Well, Christmas. We began a couple weeks ago on what is really a short series, there's only two of them, on characters of Bible times during Jesus' birth. And it's actually, you covered a lot of that today. You did Mary. That's what I'm doing, Mary. So I should just take your notes and preach your notes. We focused on Joseph a couple of weeks ago, and we, we talked about all the pressure that was brought upon him because of what God asked Mary to do, and eventually what God asked Joseph to do. And in the end, we discovered that Joseph was just a normal guy who was faithful to his God, and then God gave him a great assignment, one assignment that would change history, one for which Joseph does not get much recognition, but I'm sure he's rewarded in heaven for being faithful. That's what we're looking forward to, right? We're not looking forward so much to recognition here. We're looking for recognition there. The Bible says if you, if you do whatever you do for God because you want recognition now, the Bible says that's your reward. But if you do it not wanting any recognition, you may get it, but if you're not wanting it, God says then you'll get your reward in heaven. So that's what Joseph got. Today we're going to talk about Mary, obviously the mother of Jesus. Mary's account is, account is recorded mostly in Luke. Joseph's was in Matthew. Now, be, let me ask you a question before we start. How many of you would like to really be in control of your life? I mean, really have everything planned out for you? Or better, a better question, how many of you think you're in control of your life? Now, for those of you who know me, I'm a kind of a control freak. And I'm a little OCD. If you've seen my office, I'm kind of OCD. And I like to handle, have a handle on everything. But the truth is, no matter how hard I try to do that, or how much I think things are going right, I'm not in control. God's in control. Being in control oftentimes make us, makes us try to tell God how we want to be used. And we tell God how God can use us. And how God can't use us. How many of you said, well, I can't really do that for God. Find somebody else. Sometimes we, we try to use God instead of God using us. You ever try to tell God, sorry, Lord, I don't, I don't want to do that? How's that work out for you? Mary was a person who was willing to relinquish control and fully open herself up to being used and controlled by God. Now, before we go any further, we want to clear up some misunderstanding about Mary. There's two sides of Mary that Christians take sometimes. One is to overemphasize her. To overemphasize means to give her more of a role in God's plan. Sometimes we give her more attention, maybe not us, but Christians give her more attention than they give to Jesus. You're coming from a different denomination, that might happen. Overemphasize. She was just a human being like us, a woman saved by grace like us, we don't pray to her. We don't worship her. She's just another girl. She was not herself virgin born, nor did she remain a perpetual virgin. She was a virgin only until Jesus was born. The other mistake we do is we underemphasize her. To underemphasize her means to lessen her role and her character and her purpose in God's plan. 
Now, if you come from that background where you kind of pray to Mary, maybe you do the opposite. You just pull yourself away from it and don't want to do anything. Well, in our desire to walk away from that, we forget about who she was and what she was committed to and what it cost her to do that. And as with everything else in the Bible, there's a balance to that. Mary was a very godly young lady who, because of her youth, wasn't really wise to the ways of the world yet. There's a, there's a sign. How many of you have teenagers, kids, teenagers, grandkids, teenagers? There's a sign I want to buy that says, hire a teenager while he still knows everything. Because they do, right? Now, she was fully ready to trust God for whatever he had for her in her life. I'm going to show you a short video real quick on kind of an example of what might have happened for her. In the ancient writings, a savior was prophesied. This would bring peace on earth and goodwill toward men. And it was written long ago that God would give us a sign. A young girl would conceive, though never having been with a man, and she would give birth to a baby boy. He would be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Mother? Father? You are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Do not be afraid. For you have found favor with God. You will conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For nothing is impossible with God. a servant of the Lord. May everything you have said about me come true. <laughs> a young woman says yes to the unimaginable. Her story is not the first, nor the last, 
when God will ask great things of his people. And when we say yes, it can change everything. Luke one twenty six says, In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, to a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. So what do we know about her so far? Well, she's a teenager. Some say as young as 12 or 13. Others say between 18 and 19. The average that most people think she's about 16 years old. She was a virgin, but she was engaged. In other words, she had formally agreed to marry Joseph. Now, in this culture, to be engaged was the same as being considered married without any consumption of the marital act. It was a legal agreement, and they were called husband and wife during the time before they were actually wedded. Even sleeping with Joseph during this time would be punishable by death. That betrothal period could only be dissolved by adultery. So they did not live together, but they still lived with their parents, and they did not sleep together. And the Bible says they were also very poor. Luke 2.22 says, when the time of their purification according to the law of Moses had been completed, Joseph and Mary took, to him, took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now, if you remember the Old Testament law and the sacrifices, most of them required an animal, lamb, ram. But if you couldn't afford that, you could use a pigeon or a dove. One word study says the example of a lamb would cost about a buck seventy-five, and a dove would cost about 16 cents. So they, were, they couldn't even afford to buy a lamb. They had to settle for a bird. So she was young, she was poor, and she was engaged. Her life, she thought, was already mapped out for her. And yet God still chose her. Your age, your position in life, doesn't mean that God can't pick you out and use you for something. You don't have to be a somebody for God to use you. God can do great things through a nobody. And guess what? We're all nobodies. Sometimes we think, you know, if this, if this famous person would only get saved, what a testimony. He can go around talking to everybody about that. But that doesn't work very much. If you Remember back in the time, this was a few years ago, you ever hear the name B.J. Thomas? B.J. Thomas was a big singer back in the 60s and 70s. Well, he got saved. And there was such great pressure put on him to be a witness that he kind of shied away from it. And he didn't really want to do that. Sometimes we put pressure on people who we think have, a, have an audience and they don't really do much because of it. The truth is, 
God uses regular people, us. He doesn't use somebodies. He uses people that don't have a lot, people that are just normal, everyday people living out their godly lives. That means God can use each one of you here today. Maybe God's going to call you when you leave to do something great. And maybe God's going to call you to sit back and do nothing at this moment. The Bible says, we humble ourselves before the Lord, God lifts us up, right? You're humble before God, God sees that, and God lifts you up. The minute we try to promote ourselves, what happens? God slams you down. Mary could have said, or Mary did say, may what you have said be so. Are we that eager to stop what we're doing and just change our life to do something else? Or do we make excuses to God? Luke one twenty eight says, The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, we saw in the video, and I think Marlene mentioned it, every time in the Bible an angel appears, people are terrified. <laughs> They're not happy at the minute the angel appears. And I've heard people say that, well, I, I saw this angel, it was great. I'm thinking no. <laughs> because every single time that an angel appears, people are terrified, they fall down, they cry, they, they st- maybe start worshiping the angel. So she was terrified. Can you imagine waking up in the middle of the night, terrified at some light coming through your window, which is maybe what happened. And then God speaking to you. I'm thinking, I'm, I'm dreaming. But she was alert. And when she was able to receive what God had for her, she wasn't thinking it was something else. How often do we doubt that God is speaking to us? Lord, is that you? Is it me? Is it circumstances? When the Holy Spirit speaks to you, I think we know what that is. And we, if we don't like it, we're not comfortable with it, our tendency is to think it's not from God. But most times when God calls people, it's, he's calling them to do something that is outside their ability to do. So you're going to be uncomfortable with it. It doesn't mean it's not from God. Now, the phrase found favor is not used much. In fact, very seldom. One time it was used back in the Old Testament was with Noah. Genesis 6, it says, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. The point is, Mary's an ordinary teenager, lived her life out of the public view. Probably nobody knew who she was except for her family. She loved God, did nothing to draw attention to herself, just was a normal person living for God. Her humble and godly life pleased God to such an extent that he chose her for the most important task in the world. Are we in that position? If God would look down on our life and say, you know what, that person's living really holy, I'm gonna use them for something. No one knows who they are. They think themselves nothing. I'm going to raise them up. Are we in that position? Is our life godly before God? Not perfect, but righteous. Job says that he was blameless and upright. Doesn't mean he was perfect. 
It just means he honored God. He lived the way God wanted him to live. And we want to be that. We want to be in that position where God can use us for something. Now, for Mary, that sounds pretty good, right? God's going to use her. It's going to be great. Think about where she is in her life right now. She's a young girl planning her wedding, which is going to take place in about six months from now, maybe a year. Now, ladies, how much do you or did you anticipate your wedding? Pretty exciting time, right? My niece is getting married next March, this coming March. And the, my girls are in the wedding. And man, emails flying back and forth and everything's going on. They had a, like a, a shower for her last couple of months ago and it just, everything's blowing up. Now the guys, we just show up. Whenever I've done a wedding, I just tell the groom, all you gotta do is show up, buddy. Because everything's gonna be taken care of because the women are gonna do it. And they're excited to do it. And I don't think it was a whole lot different back then. Women are excited about that. It's her planning, she's planning her life. Maybe not the, the pomp and circumstance that we have today, but I'm sure that she's excited about this next step in her life. Now, Anna watches this show, or used to watch it, Say Yes to the Dress. Oh yeah, you're all shaking, women are shaking your head. And every once in a while, I have to sit there and just, you know, suck it up and watch it with her. Or actually, I'll be watching something on my phone while it's playing. But if you watch the show, all kinds of excitement about that. They got all their friends, their family, the girls are there, and they're all picking this thing. So imagine Mary planning. She's already engaged, planning this big event. Her life's going to change. She's moving out of her parents' house, moving into this Joseph's place. And then the angel comes and says, oh, by the way, we're going to stop that plan for a moment. Luke 1.29 says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. So in a matter of about that fast, all her plans, her dreams, her wedding, gone, done, at least for now. Everything that she had planned for, shattered. She goes from being a normal girl who loved God, getting ready for her wedding, getting ready for this new change in her life, and God says, stop. We're gonna change that right now. Now, how many of you watch the Avenger movies? I'm, I'm an Avenger, Marvel fan. There's a, there's a line in the movie, Iron Man says about his abilities, he says, it's a terrible privilege. And I kind of think that's what it is when God calls you to do something that you don't want to do or maybe inconvenience for you. It's a privilege. It's a terrible privilege at this particular moment because you may not want to do it. It may be interrupting everything in your life. God may ask you to be a part of something that is so incredibly fantastic and miraculous that it will come to you with great cost. And all her plans now are taking a backseat to what God wants to do. You ever been there? 
had things mapped out for your life and then God came in and changed something. Or maybe things in your life happened differently than you thought it would. You're planning your life out and something happens and it changes everything. Through no actions on your part, your life takes a hard right turn. And you didn't like it. You didn't know it then, but what you experienced at that moment and you thought was terrible at that time, God was turning around for your blessing. Now maybe you haven't seen that turnaround yet and maybe you're not gonna see it for a while. But Romans 8, 28 is still true. I've said this before in our Wednesday night class. How many of you like to go back and change something about your past? There was a, a, a quote or a meme I saw that says, if you could tell your 18-year-old self something, what would you tell them? And one guy says, I would tell them to trust Jesus. And I thought about that. Now, I got saved at 30, so I'm thinking, what if I, what if I got saved at 18? Well, I probably wouldn't have met my wife which means I wouldn't have had my kids, which means I wouldn't have my grandkids. And who knows what else would have changed at that moment. And so all the things, you are where you are today because of all the turns and stuff God had in your plans and who you are now is, is a sum total of every mistake you've ever made. And God can still turn all of them around. Romans eight twenty eight, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God. That's a little catchphrase there. Doesn't work out good for those who don't love God, but it work out good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So every negative thing that may have happened to you, God was using and bring you around. Think about how you got saved. What traumatic thing in your life caused you to come to Christ? For me, it was my daughter who was sick. And I'm, now, I look at that and say, thank you, Jesus. But at that moment, I'm thinking, no thank you. God uses these things to bring people to Christ. So now Mary was about to toss her, side, her plans away. She's gonna be married, but it's not gonna be anything she thought it was gonna be. Rumors around town are gonna spread about her. There's gonna be a wedding feast, but not the one that she thought. She'll have kids, but because of Jesus, it'll always be under suspicion and doubt. Like all of us, he had questions on how God can do something so wonderful given the current situation. Luke one thirty four says, how can this be, Mary? Asked the angel, since I am a virgin. You ever wonder how God's gonna figure something out? When I pray for things, I try to figure out how God's gonna do it. You ever try that? And then you look at it and you say, well, there's no way God can do it. I'll give you, I'll give you an update. The grocery store down there, we've been you know, talking about you know, with the circle and all that stuff. The grocery store down there, it's under contract. It's been under contract before. So keep praying. If this is where God wants us to shuffle off to, then God's gotta do some work. And if I think, well, look in the natural, well, it's under contract, nothing we can do about that. If I try to figure out how God's gonna do it, then I'm God. God's gonna do whatever he's gonna do regardless of how I think about it. And so Mary's thinking, logically, 
In other words, God, you see what's the situation here? Virgin, how's this going to happen? Very logical question. And the angel does not rebuke her for asking it because the situation is humanly impossible. God doesn't make us, doesn't, he doesn't get upset when we ask him how he's going to do stuff. Because more often, most often, God's going to do it in a way that we can't even think. She doesn't not believe the angel. She's simply asking, I believe you, but how are you going to do this? What are some situations in your lives that you face that seem impossible? You know God's already said it's going to happen. How can God save my loved one when I'm looking at where they're at right now? Seems impossible. How can God heal me when the doctor said no? How can God restore my relationships since no one wants to talk to me? How can I be pregnant if I'm a virgin? All legitimate questions. And it's okay to ask God. She's basically saying, okay, I'm up for this. I'm ready. I'm believing that you're going to do it. But how are you going to do it? And that's faith. Believing for the impossible when all the evidence isn't there. In fact, none of the evidence is there. You pray for people who you think are a million miles from God. All the evidence in front of you says no. But God. Two most important words in the Bible. But God. Luke 135 says, The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Tell the Holy One to be born and will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Now, we're not going to get into Elizabeth too much, but ladies, how would you feel if you were pregnant in your old age? I don't see a lot of people going, yay. So, Another person whose life is thrown a curve. How's God going to do this without his direct intervention? This time God isn't going to use people. He's going to do it himself. When we ask the hard questions like we did before, we're asking how. Knowing that's going to take a direct intervention from God. Whether through people or through the Spirit of God. When we pray for something, we pray for healing, whatever we're praying for, God has to be divinely in the middle of it, whether he uses people or whether he just does it miraculously by himself. And to back up the impossible situation, he's already done something else miraculous. Elizabeth's pregnant. Now she wasn't a virgin, but she was old and unable to have kids up to that point. To give her confidence and assurance that this was possible, he said, look at this. This was impossible, and I did this. So what I'm going to do with you is equally doable. 
Did God heal your friend? Did God heal someone you know? Then God can heal you. Did God save you? And if God saved you, he can save anybody. What's the Bible say? Most things are not too hard for God. No, it says nothing is too hard for God. Nothing. What are you trusting God for? How do you trust God to intervene in your life? Maybe you are the answer to someone else's prayer. Maybe someone's praying for their relative to be saved and you are the one who's gonna bring the gospel to them. What's the angel say in the end? Nothing is impossible with God. If God can cause a virgin to have a baby, what do you think God can do with you? What prayers and concerns do you have about that? Are you nervous that God's gonna call you to be a missionary? No, God's gonna call me to do this terrible thing that I don't wanna do. not usually how he works. He'll call you to do something that challenges you that you may not be comfortable with, but you're not comfortable with it until you actually do it. Then you realize, God's equipping me for this. When I was in high school, we did a, a, high, a play. And I, I'm not a singer, so I just had, I had one line. And during the play, I had a cue, and I was supposed to say this one line and then walk off. Three of the four nights, I didn't even say my line. I was so terrified, I walked off the platform, just walked off, and left that person hanging without my line as a cue. And so I'm thinking, no way am I gonna get in front of people and talk. But God. God will call you to do something that you don't think you can do, and in your own strength, you really can't. What challenges is God allowing you to face right now? What do you think God's talking to you? You know, the Bible says that Jesus says, I'm working and my Father works. It means he's always working. He's always doing something. It means he's always doing something in your life. What is that? What is God challenging you to do the next step? I've mentioned it before. There's, there's really no retirement plan in God's kingdom, or there's one retirement plan, Right? when you're gone. That's God's retirement plan. God will change things for you, but no one ever retires from ministry in God's kingdom. There are no, there's no bench warmers in God's economy. So what's God calling you to do? And I believe that everyone is being called of God to do something. Now the next verse is probably the greatest statement of faith in the Bible. Luke 138 says, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to you as you have said. Then the angel left her. Now, Mary's response could have been, do I have to? How many of you have kids? Tell your kid, hey, go empty the garbage. Do I have to? Go make your bed. Do I have to? When God calls you to do something, do you say the same thing? Or do I have to do that? Mary didn't hesitate. In a moment, she put aside the plans and excitement for the upcoming wedding and trusted that God knew what he was doing. She had no idea what was gonna happen. She had no idea what her future would be like, what Joseph would do, nothing. 
Nothing guaranteed for her other than God says, I'm going to do this. She could have thought, you know, Joseph going to divorce me. How is she going to get along by herself? Would I be stoned for doing this? No one's going to believe me. She also knew her reputation was probably going to be gone. Gossip was going to start. And she would be, quote, that woman. Knowing all of this, she still submitted herself to God's plan. If you saw all the negative things that could happen to you when God calls you, would you still say yes? I believe that, you know, the Bible says that God gives you, you know, you can see tomorrow. You can't see next week. You can see what's happening right now. God's never going to tell you everything that's going to happen to you because you'd be scared to death of what's going to happen to you. If you knew everything that, (coughs) when you first got married, all the things you're going to face in your married life the day you got married, I'm thinking a lot of people would back out of that because all kinds of struggles come along in your married life. If you knew that going in, you might be hesitant about that. Hopefully you'd still go into it. And I don't think God lets us know everything because we would never do anything for God if we saw all the negative ramifications that were going to come. She stepped out and did it regardless of what was going to happen. She submitted herself to God's plan. Why? Because nothing's impossible for God. I wrote down here, what crisis are you facing? What hardships come in your way? What family members are estranged from you? What kids or parents or loved ones don't know Christ? All of these are impossible to solve by human means. But nothing's impossible for God. He specializes in things that we thought were impossible. He does what everyone else cannot do. One author says that two words that always go together are Christmas and miracles. Not that we expect more miracles at Christmas time, but Christmas time tells us that miracles happen. And if God can do this miracle, what are you trusting God to do? What are you hearing from God about your own life? Where's God leading you? As this year winds down and we get ready to celebrate Christmas a week from now, look past the gifts, look past the trees and everything else which are going to be packed away in about two weeks. Let Mary be an example for you. An example of willing service to the Lord and others. Trusting God to do the impossible through you. Don't think that you're not, you can't be used by God. Look at the lineage of Jesus. Look at all the people that were part of his lineage. They weren't all nobles. He had a prostitute. He had shepherds. He had kings. He had nobodies. All of, all of part of God's plan to bring about Christ. God can use anybody here. But like Mary, we have to say, Lord, whatever you want to do through me is fine. I'm up for it. And then you trust God to do whatever he's going to do. When I went, to, when I went through Bible college, 
I, I never thought, oh, God, yeah, sure, every Christian wants to be a preacher. I don't, I don't want to do this. But I'll start it because you say. So I started, and the way it works in the Assemblies of God, there's three sections. There's uh, Christian worker, license, and ordination. Each of those is about seven or eight classes you take. At the end of the seven or eight classes, you sit down, you take a written test, and you sit down between, uh, in front of about eight or ten guys who quiz you. And at any moment, they can say, oh, yeah, he's not ready for this. And so every time I'd go into this oral exam, I'd say, Lord, okay, you can stop this any time. I don't want to do this. I don't think I'm called to do this. You can stop it any time. And he never did. I'm thinking, oh, come on, Lord. God, if God can do that for me, God can do anything for you. And God can use you for anything. Because I'm just another guy. And you're just another person that God can choose. Mary was an undescript young girl who simply loved God. And that's really all God wants us to do. Love him and be available. We have week of prayer coming up, well, next week. Yeah, no, two weeks from now. We're going to be praying and trusting God for great things this new year. Things that, not, that we can't accomplish on our own. We don't know what that is yet, but we're praying that God intervenes and works through us to do great things for our church, for this community, so that people's lives are transformed. You know, it's easy to talk about all the negative things that are happening in the world, and there was a lot of that going on when Mary was pregnant. Our focus is not on that. Our focus is on what God can do with us right now. The rest isn't our concern. Now, I'm, you know, I vote and all that stuff but, and pray for your leaders, but our focus should be on the kingdom of God and how many people are going to make the rapture, how many people are going to be ready when Christ returns. That's our goal. Would you stand as we close this morning? Would you bow your heads for a moment? I look around, I see everyone here is a familiar face. But you never want to assume that everyone here has a relationship with Christ. Maybe you all do, maybe you all don't, I'm not sure. But you never want an opportunity to go by to offer that to someone. If you're here and you never have committed your life to Christ, you've never come to Jesus and say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I know I'm a sinner, and I know you have great plans for me. I want to come into a relationship with you. If you can't look back on a time in your life, a, a specific day or an era where you say, you know, this is the time that I got saved. If you can't look at that and you don't know that that exists, you should have a date in your life and maybe that's today. If you're not sure about what's going to happen to you, you're not sure if you have a relationship with God, you're not sure where God is in your, in your life, then the Bible says today is the day to make it right. So if you're here and you've never committed your life to Christ, you've never really trusted him for everything, really, then I'm going to ask you if you want to do that. I'm going to pray with you. So if that's you, I want you to ask, raise your hand. I want to acknowledge you. I want to pray for you. I want to introduce you to the greatest person I've ever met. 
Maybe you're here this morning and you're on the fence as to what you want to do next for God. Maybe you feel a calling to do something. It may not be preaching, but it may be something else. It may be something that God is choosing you to do. Maybe you don't want to do it. Maybe you feel nervous about it. Maybe you feel like you can't do it. But the Bible says God's going to keep talking to you about that until you actually give in. So as we end this year and begin a new year, let this be the year that you step out in faith and say, okay, Lord, I'm going to do this. Don't know how you're going to accomplish it. Don't know what you're going to do with my life, but I'm going to submit it to you, and I want you to use me for your glory. Maybe you're already excited about the things you do for God. Well, we always keep moving forward. So this new year, we're going to keep moving forward. We don't rest on our laurels. We move forward. And we thank you for what you've done, and we trust you to, do, to continue to do things through us that matter in eternity. So Lord, I come to you now in Jesus' name. You know our church. You know everyone here. You know everyone may be watching. We're all open to you, Lord. We are all open to what you want to do. I pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. Give us the mind of Christ. Revive us, Lord, and revive me individually. Revive each one of us individually. Get us excited for the next thing that you're going to do through us. And help us to trust you for whatever great thing that's going to be. Lord, it's not just things that we can do in our own self, Lord. We want to trust you for some great thing that we can't do. And when we trust you for that, we want to see you working through us to accomplish that task. So, Lord, I commit each person to you today. Use us as you will. Help us to be available for that. We ask in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. God bless you. Have a great week. See you Wednesday night. It's, not a, it's like a, not a lesson, but we're going to have like a Christmas thing going on Wednesday night.